The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian, Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. We're going to shift gears and talk with the uh, author of uh, a pretty interesting... Uh, well, let me let me read how it's uh, been described. It's... Uh, the name of the book is Hog Wild. It's uh, considered the illegitimate offspring of a menage a trois among Orwell's Animal Farm, George Miller's The Road Warrior, and Vernon Bloom of Animal House and High, Bla- or High Plains Drifter fame. Anyway, uh, the uh, author, Jonathan Woods, joins me by phone. Good morning, Jonathan. Welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. How are you, Sumner? I'm doing just fine. So, um, when somebody describes you as an award-winning author of absurdist pulp noir, what what does that mean? That means that I'm the uh, most famous crime fiction writer you've never heard of. And possibly the silliest? Well, I don't know silliest, but certainly uh, lots of fun. Um, my, my goal in life is uh, to entertain you until you roll on the floor in laughter, and they have to uh, hold you down. Well, bra- <laughs> Brainy Hogs has me pretty close. Um, <laughs> well, you know, that's the, the, the government here in Texas has some really great brainy hogs, but, uh, <laughs> I shouldn't, I shouldn't get into politics this early in the morning. Well, this would be the place to do that though. Um, let's, but, but let's talk, uh, could you share at least a, a, a little synopsis of what the book hog wild is about because this is a a great and and very different story so we have a protagonist by the name of uh um ray yes ray ray puzo he's he's somewhat related to uh the uh, author of the godfather at least in the mind of the hogs um, but this, the story, the story is that Ray, who's an ex military sniper, <clears throat> excuse me, gets hired by this big cattle ranch in South Texas 
come down and rid this uh, rid them of their feral hog infestation because uh, the hogs are destroying the best grazing land. And this really is a problem in Texas, where, by the way, I happen to live. <clears throat> and so Ray gets down there, but unbeknownst to him, um, the hogs have gotten super, super intelligent, and they've been reading all these history books. So they all have really weird names out of history, like things like Pol Pot Sr. and uh, Pol Pot Jr., and Dr. Mengele the fourth, and I could go on and on. But um, so these hogs are so intelligent that they can uh, they can read, they can communicate telepathically, they can fire automatic weapons, and so when Ray starts exterminating them, which he's very good at, they organize and fight back. And so that's the that's one part of the premise. Of course, these hogs represent the best side of humanity, and the and then you have the worst side of humanity, who are the owners of the ranch, and uh, they're a crazy bunch, including uh, Amanda Cross, the matriarch, her uh, nymphomaniac daughter, <coughs> and. Uh, her crazy queer son. And so besides having to deal with the hogs, poor old Ray has to as well deal with these absolutely crazy human types that run this huge ranch. And it's a, it's as a result of that, it's a very crazy tale that moves at the speed of light. And as I said before, we'll have you rolling on the floor. With the, laughter. It, it's, it's interesting that that um, the story uses uh, radiation and other pollution to um, create this this uh, group of feral hogs that have become highly intelligent. Where did that that idea come from that that hogs could become highly intelligent? Is it because that there are um, hog parts that that are very similar to humans? <laughs> well, if you ever looked a, frog, a hog in the face, you might have seen your uh, cousin. Who knows? <laughs> no, but I was thinking they're using, you know, uh, valves from, you know, pigs and, and hogs in heart surgery and, and other things, and there are these similarities. And I just wondered ah. if... If that, I never thought of that. Yeah. If it, it had occurred to you in the process of coming up with this story that that maybe their brains work similarly or something. <laughs> uh, I don't know where this story came from. It's uh, it's lost in the uh, in the fog of history, as they say. But um, I I sure had a lot of fun writing it. So. Um, well, I'm, I'm hopeful that people will have a lot of fun reading it. You know, I'm I'm curious about the about the creative process. Did you have this story in mind, or the characters first, and and then the story evolved from from the creation of the characters? How did how did that work for you? So it all began with Ray Puzo. 
hitchhiking down from Nashville down to Austin, Texas, where he set up had an interview with the uh, matriarch of the Crossbar Ranch at the famous Menger Hotel, which was uh, where Teddy Roosevelt um, raised his Rough Riders during the Spanish-American War. It's a very old historic hotel in Austin. Or, I'm sorry, not Austin, San Antonio. And uh, from there, the story just literally wrote itself. I'm it all surrounded this character, and then, of course, the hogs came along. Uh, but I'm not one of those writers that outlines. I just uh, write my crazy stuff from from scratch, and however it turns out, it turns out. I had no idea how this story was going to end or what would be in the middle, but I just kept going, and uh, and here it is, you know? <laughs> A friend of mine named uh, Vicki Hendricks, who's a, a great writer in her own right, um, wrote about Hogwild, and she said, uh, men are pigs and pigs are men in my uh, novel Hogwild. So that kind of, it's kind of a not too subtle satire, but uh, it's right up there um, with all the dirty books you've always read so under you know when <laughs> when you were a kid so but you you kind of flip the script on this because it's it's the people that are cast as as evil and it's these feral pigs which have been uh, nemesis for um a lot of a lot of farmers in the south um well there's two million of them in texas you know Pigs, that is wild pigs. <laughs> yeah, I remember a friend of mine was was down there visiting, and somebody took him out. I I think they may have even been feral hog hunting, and his friend told him said, um, "If you shoot him, you better kill him." <laughs> yeah, that's probably a true story, actually, because I think you know they weigh over two hundred pounds. The big boars. Because if you just wound them, you'll make them mad. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they shoot them in Texas from helicopters. It's it's illegal to do that. So, and uh, so Ray Puzo, of course, um, shoots them from helicopters. But when things get really bad, they he starts using uh, barrel bombs on them. So that takes us over to Syria. <laughs> Syria of South Texas. <laughs> but I did have a heck of a good time writing this book. And in fact, I've had a good time writing all my books because I, I started writing when I was 54 after a career as a lawyer. And uh, I tell you, my first book came out called Bad Juju and Other Tales of Madness and Mayhem. And it was in the Texas Book Festival in Austin, and uh, that was the book that won the little prize, something called the Spine Tinkler Award. So, so do you like writing better than lawyering? Uh, it's, it's a dream I've always had. And so instead of playing golf, I sit around in a locked room writing this drivel 
and hopefully, uh, you know, entertaining a few people. When you said it's you didn't... It's not really drivel. <laughs> well, you said that you don't really outline, that you let the story just kind of almost... It's almost as if it writes itself, isn't it? It is indeed. I mean, it's kind of like a, a mystical experience, if you will. You know, it's like I'm my brain is raised from the dead and proceeds to uh, create this whole other existence on the on the blank page. But uh, I, I, you know, I think I was somehow I was I was granted this really fervid imagination, and uh, so here I am. Is is there um, a, na- a narrator or, or someone telling the story? Is the story told from a, a specific point of view? I'm curious as to whether it might be Ray or one of the hogs. Well, it, it moves back and <laughs> forth, actually, between Ray. I, it, it's, it's really a third-person narrative, so... Um, you know, you get the perspective of Ray, you get the perspective of some of the ranch people... You get the perspective of the hogs, and all of it, of course, is the author's perspective. But uh, what can I tell you? Say, I, I would like to mention something, if I can. Sure. <clears throat> this book is published by a small press. It's called um, Close to the Bone, and it's a little publishing house located in the UK. And... I, I really have this feeling that, um, and of course, there's a trial going on in the U.S. where uh, Penguin Random House is trying to acquire Simon and Schuster, which is one big publisher trying to gobble up another. So my my story that I'm trying to say here is that there's a lot of wild and crazy great books that are, are not getting published by the big publishing companies because they're all really concerned about their bottom line. <clears throat> and uh, it's these small presses that are the savior of literature in the world, as I guess I would say. So I'm, I just want to, you know, give, a, give three cheers to small press people everywhere for these books that they put out that, that push the envelope. And I and I would add on to that, um, Jonathan. Um, small independent bookstores. Absolutely. I Absolutely. I, th- I think they need to be attended, and even if they aren't able to carry as big an inventory as you would like, you can certainly order through them, and anything you can do to to support those those local businesses and and keep them keep them going because i think isn't it a law jonathan that uh books have to be on amazon (laughs) (laughs) hey jonathan uh, i have to take a short break here um can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more yeah absolutely great absolutely my guest is jonathan woods he's author of hog wild and uh we're going to find out more about what he has to say and Maybe even what the hogs have to say after we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or share what they have to say. We'll be back with more right after this.
Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hornet. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You know, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. 
Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We're talking with the author of a new book called uh, Hog Wild. His name is uh, Jonathan Woods. He joins me by phone. Jonathan, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Hey, no problem. I mean, you know, we all have to make a living, right? <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> Say, you would just to give your listeners a, a little flavor for this book, can I just like read you? about 10 sentences sure yeah that would be great so to set the scene uh one of the hogs named pol pot jr has been killed by the ranchers and they are proceeded to have a big barbecue and he's uh he's the subject of the barbecue so here's uh one of his buddies ernest hemorrhoid scanned the scene through a pair of night vision binoculars a daring hog raid six months earlier had liberated them from a humvee on military mover, maneuvers in the texas high plains pol pot jr oh uh, as the barbecue came into focus ernest h gasped unable to speak the scene before him was the stuff of hog nightmares Pol Pot Jr., a perfect reddish brown, his outer skin crisp and crinkly, turned lazily on an electric spit, droplets of dripping fat exploding as they struck the orange coals below. Ernest H. dropped the binoculars and collapsed to the ground. Irwin Irwin and the other two hogs leaned close as Ernest H. spoke in a strangled whisper. The horror, he said. The horror. So that's the scene. And of course, the horror, the horror is stolen from uh, Joseph Conrad's uh, uh, famous uh, famous novella, which I can't think of at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how, how much? How much does uh, Tom, heart, of, heart of Darkness? Sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, how much of a role does uh, time and or place play in this story? Well, this could only happen in uh, South Texas. I mean, there's nowhere else in the world that this crazy story could be but South Texas, because it's the, you know, it's the. The land of the King Ranch, and uh, um, is it fairly contemporary? This story, or is it set into the future? Oh, a little? no! This is happening right now. All you need to do is, you know, drive down to South Texas, and I'm sure you'll see some hogs that are armed with automatic weapons. Because we're we're an open carry state, so you know, whether you're human or hog, you can carry. Are, 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 they, are there signs <laughs> are, are there signs cautioning people not to pick up hitchhiking hogs? <laughs> there certainly should be. <laughs> you know, I, I had some friends who were driving back from Houston to, to Austin, and they were driving at night, and they hit a feral hog on the highway. Oh, no. 
because they come out to feed, and it absolutely destroyed their car. I mean, you know, these are dangerous animals. That happens occasionally in Michigan with deer. Right, yes, deer. But, uh, you know, hogs are a whole other kettle of fish because you can, you know, as, you, as I said, you can, you can bar- barbecue them if you want to. How do you explain hogs learning to read? I understand. I understand them getting radiated and and affected by pollution and and being able to reason. But who taught them to read? They just uh, you know they just picked it up themselves. I mean that's ah. actually the, the the thing about this book is it just jumps right in. It's it's taken as a given more or less, that the hogs are super intelligent and they do all this stuff. So there's no opportunity for the reader to, uh, to question it in his own mind because, you know, this is, this is an alternative reality um, that's a mirror of today, as they say. So, um, you know. And, and was the selection of hogs just simply because there are lots of feral hogs in Texas? It just that particular animal lent itself to the telling of this kind of a story? Yeah, I would say that was one reason. And then, of course, in uh, George Orwell's famous uh, novel, Animal Farm, it's the hogs who become the the dictators. So hogs just have a bad rap overall. So I said, yeah, hogs, let's go for hogs. I mean, you know, if I, what if I had chosen voles say and you're saying to me well what the heck is a vole and a vole is a little mammal it's about uh two and a half inches long so you know it'd be a little tough to have a a vole rebellion so that's why i went with the hogs well and and feral hogs as as i've been told can grow to pretty large sizes yeah, two, three hundred pounds. I mean, those are big mothers, I'll tell you. They are uh, not to be messed with. So, um, what else can I tell you? Well, I, I, I'm curious. I, I'm curious about the the life and lifestyle of these hogs. Did they have transportation other than their other than just hoofing it? No, they're just, they're strictly kind of like uh, ancient Romans in, in the sense that they they just march around. They spend a lot of time in the, uh, in the mud having fun, and uh, they come from all over the, the area to put this ranch, the crossbar ranch, under siege. Do they walk and run and fight uh, um, um, standing on their hind legs? Sometimes, yeah. They, that's, uh, in fact, the opening scene of the book, are hogs doing this, just that. So that kind of gets you immersed immediately among the hogs. And was this something that people knew about, or did this come as a complete surprise to Ray Puzo? Oh, a total surprise. Uh, no one has any idea, although the ranch matriarch is very suspicious. But, um, yeah, it sort of comes out of the blue, although there is a uh, an o- 
the Oklahoma City Office of the uh, Department of Homeland Security is monitoring things down in Texas, and there's a couple of characters there uh, who um, have zeroed in on the hog problem. But of course, since it's a government entity, the their manager in the in the in the government has no desire to send this distress signal up to Washington because he doesn't want to ruin his bureaucratic career. So no one knows. Well, I wouldn't want to be the first guy to send a telegram to Washington saying that we're under siege from killer killer intelligent feral hogs. Yeah, well, you know, January 6th, right? That was uh, very, very timely for this book. (laughs) Because <laughs> that was that, that was an attack of feral hogs on our country. If anything was, I've probably been targeted now. So. Did, um, did you view that that way? That it was that kind of chaos. That it was that that maybe the people who uh, raided the the Capitol on January sixth, twenty twenty one, were uh, feral. In some way, uh, I would certainly say that was the impression they gave. I mean, breaking windows and spraying uh, various chemicals on the police and so forth. Yeah, I think it was a pretty pretty awful event. I mean, uh, right up there with the. Uh, attack on the trade towers in New York. I mean, uh, things are crazy out there. Well, no wonder that uh, feral hogs would um, become intelligent and and fight back. (laughs) Say, I also want to mention, by the way, just, you know, because we're talking about my book, but I've, I've just been reading this other book by a writer named Paul D. D. Brazil. That's Brazil with two L's. The book is called Guns of Brixton. And it's a, it's published by the same publisher, mm-hmm. Close to the Bone. And it's a gangster story set in London. But it's also absolutely hilarious. And I just wanted to pitch that out there to your listeners and those readers out there. Um, just a terrific book you know that's that's interesting and i and i'm glad you did that and i'm i'm happy to uh to accommodate that um are there are there writers that have inspired you and your writing and helped you to find your voice oh yeah absolutely i mean that's how i actually i mean i never formally studied writing Uh, my only only um School was reading other writers, other great writers. So it all started um, with Edgar Allan Poe back uh, as a junior in high school, which is the American lit year. He read uh, a big fat book of Poe short stories. And uh, I became totally addicted to Poe. I read him on a regular basis. I mean, he is such a dynamite writer, and he's really the inspiration for um, 
crime fiction in the United States. And that's, you know, it's Poe is, is the guy that led the charge, so to speak. He was also a very disturbed individual. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you have to be a little disturbed to be a writer? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's a necessary, either that or you have to be feral, one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe a little bit of both would do it. Yeah, but Poe is great. I've been reading a bunch of Southern Gothic writers who have always inspired me. Um, a guy named Harry Cruz, who came out of the backwoods of Georgia and wrote some really crazy books. Most recently, I read his uh, novel, A Feast of Snakes, uh, which is uh, set during a rattlesnake hunt somewhere in small-town Georgia. And then there's another writer by the name of uh, Donald Ray Pollock who wrote a book called The Devil All the Time, which is a, a brilliant, brilliant book. It was actually it was made into a pretty good movie, too. So if you want to check that out. Um, so, yeah, a million writers have inspired me. Writing is fairly solitary, but in order to be successful with, uh, you know, the publishing of books, um, a lot of publishers, and I don't know about yours being a small publishing house, but, um, you know, certainly if they don't require, they certainly encourage writers to do book events, book signings and readings and so on. Um, do you do those things to, to promote a book when it comes out? Do you enjoy that kind of interaction and, you know, doing things, you know, interviews like this one today? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, this is the, the feast that one lives for is to, to get out there to the public. I'm actually, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of something called VoucherCon, but it's a gathering, uh, an annual gathering of crime fiction writers and fans, and it moves around for different cities. And this year it's up in Minneapolis, and I'll be going to that. I'll be on a panel there, and then I'm appearing at a local bookstore here in Dallas called The Wild Detectives and I'll be appearing at a bookstore in Austin and hopefully also in Houston so um and maybe even uh get up to New York so it's um yeah it's great fun and it's nice to get out and you know see some real people as opposed to being stuck in a room with a bunch of hogs all the time <laughs> writing the way that you write Jonathan um I I I suspect that it's um, that it becomes binge writing at times, where you just you don't stick to a particular schedule. You mark out some time and then write and write and write until you run out of ideas. Yeah, kind of. Actually, Hog Wild, the final version of Hog Wild, was written in um, a writers group, and there were actually four writers in it, including myself, and we met. Um, every two to three weeks over a period of about a year. And so one, you're expected as a participating member to uh, produce pages for each meeting, which are then um, a small selection is maybe read 
out loud at the beginning, and then uh, there's a whole critique and discussion of each member's um, writing that's submitted. So um, it's a great way, if you have committed members, to get a book written because it forces you not to be a slacker, but to actually create pages because no one wants to show up to a meeting and say, well, I didn't, I didn't write anything. <laughs> I was, you know, out frolicking at the local uh, watering hole. So uh, well, like I'm a really just, good feral you, hog. You so. could tell them Mickey Spillane ate it. I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. <laughs> you, you could tell them that uh, Mickey Spillane ate your homework. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Mickey Spillane, I have this tiny white dog whose name is Mickey Spillane. That's who I was talking about. Oh. <laughs> you did, by the way, see the note at the end of the book that says, where is that? Note to readers, no actual hogs, humans, or other <laughs> animals were killed, injured, or mistreated during the writing of this novel. Oh, that's great. That's that's a great disclaimer, and it is. all books should have something similar. <laughs> um, but um, I, I was working up to asking you about how long it takes to, to write a book, and, and what's next for you, Jonathan? Do you have another book uh, on the horizon? I don't know. I think I'm getting too old, but actually that's not true. I'm working on a new book of short stories because I really like writing short stories. And um, what I'd really love to do, and I'm hopeful that at least one or two of your listeners are multimillionaires who like to make movies because I think Hog Wild would make a wild and crazy film on Netflix or someplace like that. And, I think um, so too. When you're writing, is it is it kind of visual to you? Do you picture these these scenes that you're depicting? Uh, super visual. I mean, I'm I when I'm writing, these characters and these hogs are are more real to me than say my own wife. <laughs> I mean, you know, you become. Ray Puzo is like my best buddy uh, for about a year when I was uh, doing the final version. And some of the hogs, well, you know, we used to invite them over for breakfast, serve them bacon and eggs. I was going to say, <laughs> how, could, how could you not offer up some uh, good smoked bacon? <laughs> So, uh, I mean, they, you know, they gird their loins and devour it. I think, I think hogs are um, um, what, what they call omnivorous, so they'll eat both plants and, uh, I guess, rotting flesh. <laughs> they don't go hunting, I don't think. But I don't know. I'm not an expert on hogs. I just write books about them. Do you, do you do research when you're writing a book to, to add some credibility to some of the scenarios that you create? Absolutely not. Just, you know. <laughs> this is all made up by Jonathan. That's it. 
I mean, the other half of that quote that I uh, about uh, no hogs were were harmed. The other half of that quote is this entire story is the work of the author's imagination. Nothing is real. So. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess I do a little bit of research, but nothing, uh, I mean, that's not the, uh, that's well, not the story here. We're not doing verisimilitude. We're doing, uh, wild and crazy. That's why they call me, uh, Gonzo, writer of Gonzo <laughs> Noir. I, I was uh, talking uh, with, um, journalist Hunter S. Thompson. Who oh yeah. Famous for, uh, Gonzo journalism. Yeah, I was talking with um, Mary Higgins Clark once, and she was talking about how she didn't know very much about technology. And I said, "Yet it pops up in your books. How do you, how do you, you know, research and and learn about those things for the purpose of including it in the book?" She said, "I got a guy." <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. I mean, if you look too closely at Hog Wild, you'll see all kinds of, you know, problems. I mean, here it is, the 21st century, and like, you know, no one's calling the police on the on the cell phone or anything like that, even though it's, you know, very rural Texas. But I mean, that's not the purpose of the story. The story is to, first of all, make you laugh second of all, to entertain you, and third of all, make you realize that human beings are just a bunch of hog wild. Well, even smart hogs can't use uh, cell phones if they don't have fingers. Well, but these uh, these hogs can shoot stuff, so I don't, there's no explanation for that either. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, well, I got to tell you, this this has been a lot of fun. Uh, Jonathan, we're just about out of time, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they might find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website you'd like to share? I do. <coughs> Excuse me. My website is at uh, Southern noir so that's two ends together southern noir.com you'll find my website where not only hog wild appears but my four previous books and you can also find me on uh, facebook and you can find me at BoucherCon. <laughs> and um it's been a, a great opportunity to chat with you. Well, I appreciate you spending this time with me and the listeners, Jonathan, and, and I hope you'll uh, keep up the good work. And although you, uh, well, I appreciate that. And although you uh, made a little joke about Amazon, I have to say that for writers of small presses, Amazon is one of the few outlets so you could buy hog wild beginning this friday well yeah it has amazon. to be on amazon that's a law i think yes you're right, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> well jonathan take care thank you very much right. and you take care too all right bye-bye that was uh, Jonathan Woods, author of Hog Wild. If you're listening to us on WFOV, our voice is radio, 92.1 FM in Flint. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com 
we have some messages as well. Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community School. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Loan Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Flipflip Technology, My Community College, Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon, they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work, and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger, and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, Visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Dana. Dana? Something must be wrong. She never calls. Dana? What's wrong? Take this down. She's stranded on the side of the road. I'm not. She needs us to send her an Amazon gift card. I don't. And she'll use it to pay the tow truck driver. I won't. Mom, Dad, that's not me. It's a scam. Scam artists will call, text, or email people trying to get them to buy a gift card from Amazon or some other company. And then ask for the gift card number over the phone. 
Remember, gift cards are for gifting, not for paying people. If someone asks for payment using a gift card from Amazon, Target, or some other store, it's a scam. Hang up or delete the message. These scammers are awful. Wish they'd pretend to be her brother sometimes. Be nice to hear from him. For more tips on avoiding scams, visit michigan.gov slash AG for your connection to consumer protection. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. All the Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Oh, great lovers of the world, lend me thy ears. Where has love wrought? (laughs) Love has wrought beauty. Love is the world. The world is love. And the great lovers of the world have made the earth a very precious, beautiful, and lovely place. Where is the love? Tell me. It's it's there. It's there. Oh, where is the love? It's there. Where is the love? Do you know where the love is? It's there, Tom. It's all around you. Love is everywhere. Love is ever-changing, ever-growing, ever-moving. Love is passionate. It is flowing. It is sweet. It is wonderful. Love is compassion. Love is... Love is God. This is a song of two lovers. Right. Not world-famous lovers. Not a Romeo and Juliet. Not that type of a love. But two people whose love was an unrequited love. Unrequited love. Very beautiful love. A love that very few people ever hear of. It's a story of Herman and Sally. You've heard of them, huh? Herman was a lobster. And Sally was a crab. never work out that way, will it? (laughs) Herman met Sally on the beach one night The sea was calm and the starfish were bright He looked at her and she looked at him And it was true love at first sight Now Herman told his folks about the girl he found And they said, Herman, there must be other girls around (laughs) Cause crabs walk sideways and lobsters walk straight And we won't let you take her for your mate Everybody sing now! Crabs walk sideways and lobsters walk straight And we won't let you take her for your mate Where is love? Try singing like that. (laughs) Poor Herman and poor Sally. Whence did their love whence wrong? 
Oh, the bittersweet pain of love's nectar. Yes, Herman, though he loved Sally, could not marry her, could not have her for his own. Herman was a lobster, Sally was a crab. Herman lived in a restricted neighborhood. <laughs> so he had to make a decision. And Herman made a decision which was sad and very hard for him to do. But then, being a lobster, Herman had no backbone. <laughs> Herman told Sally and it broke her heart. She had loved that lobster right from the start. He took her in his claws and said, I'll always be yours. But still, we really have to part. Sally said, let's talk to your mom and your dad. I'll show them that crabs really aren't that bad. <laughs> they turned her away, what would the neighbors say? And they laughed at the funny walk she had. Two, three, Crabs walk sideways and lobsters walk straight And we won't let you take her for your mate. Sing out, friends, now. Crabs walk sideways and lobsters walk straight And we won't let you take her for your mate. Once again, gang! Oh, crabs walk sideways, lobsters walk straight, and we won't let you take it for your pain. One more time now! Oh, crabs walk sideways, lobsters walk straight, and we won't let you take it for your pain. One day on a sandbar, what did Herman see? But his little old Sally walking straight as can be. He said, Sally, I can take you in my family. And she said, Herman. Don't you street at me. <laughs> Crabs walk sideways and lobsters walk straight and we won't let you take it for your man. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. has something its Rotary Club can boast of Some product that the state produces the most of Rhode Island is little but oh my It has a product anyone would buy Beaches come from Georgia And lobsters come from Maine The wheat fields are the sweet fields of Nebraska And Kansas gets bonanzas from the grain Old whiskey comes from old Kentucky Ain't the country lucky New Jersey gives us glue And you, you come from Rhode Island And little old Rhode Island is famous for you 
Louisiana Gophers from Montana And spuds from Idaho They plow land in the cowland of Missouri Where most beef meant for roast beef Seems to grow Grand Canyons come from Colorado Gold comes from Nevada Divorces also do it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program. I hope you enjoyed our guests, um, Hogwild author Jonathan Woods this last hour, and before that we talked with uh, uh, Manny Teodoro, who um, researches uh, utility governance regulation and environmental justice, talking about his book Profits of Distrust. And we started out this morning with Victor Aquista and uh, talking about his book, Revelation. Join us tomorrow for a uh, special pre-pandemic tribute to uh, the Krim, uh, plus uh, a radio adaptation with the Tom Sumner Program studio players of the Maltese Falcon and musical guest Todd Gilbert. In the meantime, good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show we want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. 
Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.